we have, I don't know what day the potluck is. Which day is it? In October. Are we doing an all-nation Sunday potluck? Oh, appetizers. Never mind. Okay, so I'm, I'm confused. So um, we'll have a work day on the 7th, and we have youth coming in October? The 1st? Okay. That's what... If you saw if you saw my calendar, you would know why I have I'm confused a little bit because we have some dates here, dates here, and I have arrows going back and forth. So I know we swapped some things around. I can't remember what can't remember what di- things we swapped around. All right, and then what's that? Whiteout? Oh, whiteout, whiteout. Yeah. So we will have. Brother and sister Readout and their son Tom, they're flying here on October 7th. And they will be, he plans to speak that Sunday morning. And Sunday night, we will do something and then kick off for what's following for that whole week. It's going to be a busy week. It's going to be, I was, you guys are getting a break. You guys really are getting a break. I was trying to get to the place where we could really kind of copy the schedule at the Apostolic Leadership Institute. That's an all-day thing, five days the entire week. You basically take it off of work and everything. But I gave you guys a break because we don't start till 4. So I know that some people have to work. So you can still make it. So... We're doing it just the night, just the night times, and, you know, people could still make it to work if you're working during the day, but it's going to be a busy week. But with that is some good teaching. We're going to have some excellent teaching and some teaching that some of us probably need to hear. So probably all of us. There's going to be something for everybody. I believe that. Sister Catherine. Um, we didn't really talk about that. <laughs> yeah, we didn't, we didn't never do anything with that. So, but yeah, that's something that's going to be very, very, um, I'm looking forward to it. And that's October 9th through the 13th, but we'll, we'll kick it off that Sunday night, the 8th, sort of like orientation. And during that time, you guys know Brother Readout. You guys know Brother Readout. During some of the Sunday night sessions, we're going to be able to have some Q&As. And I have never seen Brother Readout not answer a, a question. I, I, it amazes me at the knowledge that he does have. And so he's put in the time. He's put in many thousands of hours of deep, diligent study. But not just that, combined with the Lord directing and guiding his steps. And um, the Lord's just, you know, it's just, it's amazing to me. So you guys are going to be blessed by Brother and Sister Readout's ministry. So that's coming. Biblical insights. You're not going to want to miss that. 
I wouldn't want to miss it. I really wouldn't want to miss it. There are people that don't know. I mean, we talked about it a little bit in Bible study last night. They've got some of the tenets of Christianity. They've got some of the basics. But we've got to grow. We have to grow in our knowledge of who he is. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. Um, and Tina, I have something for you. Don't let me forget. I have something for you. It's in my van. It's a little box. It's, yeah. It's got some verse cards in it. She is memorizing Bible quizzing. And her verse, card, her verse cards came in. Very exciting. So last week, we left off in something that Sister Savannah said. Uh, when, when it comes to prayer, um, a lot of times we've all prayed prayers that it felt like those prayers went right there, right? We, we didn't feel like God heard that prayer. Have you prayed prayers like that? Or is it just me and Savannah? <laughs> oh, Sister Crispy, a couple of other people. <laughs> Brother Mike. Yeah. So we have all prayed prayers and that we feel like maybe God didn't hear. And so we've talked about that quite a bit. There are some prayers that he will not hear. And we've talked about that very popular verse in Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So if we want him to hear from heaven, if we want him to heal our land, our land does need some healing, right? Then there's some things that if we haven't got to the then, there's probably some things on the other side of that if that we need to do. Humble ourselves, pray, seek his face, turn from our, our wicked ways. So, prayer. I'm so thankful that the Bible does say the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So we want to have our prayers be efficacious and we have instruction from the scripture that will help us know how we should pray. So this lesson is not on prayer tonight, but since Sister Savannah brought it up, you know, we've all prayed those kind of prayers. And, and we, we've come to know that God is faithful. Aren't you thankful that he didn't always give you what you asked for? <laughs> I'm thankful, looking back, you know, that he didn't always give me what I really wanted him to give me. Amen. So we're talking, last week we kind of left off talking about Simon in Acts chapter 8. And Simon uh, was a sorcerer. If you remember Simon, he bewitched the entire, I mean, they were in Samaria. He bewitched them, and he had lost his power. The apostles came, and, and they preached, and, and everyone heard it. They believed. People were baptized. And 
Simon himself also believed, the Bible says, and he was baptized. He believed and he was baptized, B. But he didn't get all the benefits, right? Because we see something in um, there in Acts chapter 8. We see that he was still full of wickedness. He had not experienced remission. We, we talked about baptism in the name of Jesus Christ is for the remission of sins. But he had not experienced remission. Even though he was baptized in Jesus' name. You can be baptized in Jesus' name and not experience the remission, like Simon. And then when ice cream truck. It sounds like an ice cream truck. Get a run out there. Oh, that's Sister Catherine's phone. <laughs> so he believed, he was baptized, and then when he saw and Samaria, they all we talked about this last week, didn't we? That there are certain churches that all you have to do is believe. And, you know, that, you know, I believe. I accepted Jesus as my personal Savior. And so I'm saved. Well, you have to receive the Spirit. Well, when you accept Him as your personal Savior, you automatically receive the Spirit, they will tell you. Or then there's some that will say, if you're baptized, you automatically receive the Spirit at baptism. Well, we know from Acts chapter 8 that they had not received the Spirit because they sent the apostles down to pray for them because they had only been baptized in the name of Jesus. Pray for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Lay hands on them and pray for them. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of hands, they received the Holy Ghost. He said he offered him money. He said, how much money do I have to spend? Someone's calling me too. Oh, boy. I'll turn my phone off, my ringer off. <laughs> Learn from Sister Catherine. I should have learned when yours was going off. So he wanted to pay money so he could have this gift of laying on of hands and people receiving the Holy Ghost. He didn't even ask to receive the Holy Ghost. We have no evidence that he even actually ever received the Holy Ghost. So let's look at that. Acts chapter 8. And let's read. Yeah. That's a good place to start, I think. When Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee. I mean, he's already telling Simon, even though you've been baptized and you believe, right? Your money's going to perish with you. You're in a state of damnation here. Uh, thy many money perish, because we know he believed from verse 13. Simon himself believed also when he was baptized, he continued with Philip. So we know he believed and was baptized, but that's not enough. 
It's not enough to believe and be baptized. There's more. And I think that we've talked about that enough that hopefully you guys are starting to see that. Verse 19 saying, give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, thy money perish with thee because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore. He had not even repented. He believed and he was baptized, but he had not even repented. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. He still needed forgiveness. He still needed remission. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And we saw how that in verse 8, or verse 24, chapter 8, verse 24, Simon answered and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. Instead of doing what the apostle told him to do, he said, pray for me. Instead of repent, I mean, instead of doing what he was told, he actually asked Simon to pray that none of those things would come upon him. So he was yet full of wickedness, we see in verse 22. He had little prospect of being forgiven because it says, it perhaps may be forgiven thee. It talks about that. Verse 23, the gall of bitterness was not yet washed away. So his relationships weren't right in his own heart. And we, 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 we remember that baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for what, Vivek? Yeah, remission of whose sins? Yeah, every sin, that's right. Your sins, when you were baptized on Sunday, it was for the remission of your sins and every sin that's been committed against you. All of that's included in there. It doesn't say the remission of your sins in Acts 2.38. It says remission of sins. So it includes all the sins that have been committed against you. And so if you don't forgive, you are not getting the benefit of remission. I think I've said this verse enough that I want to share it. I don't even know if this is John chapter 20, verse 23. We'll come back to this, though. It says, whosoever's sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. So if you say, I will never forgive what so-and-so did for me did to me. I'll never forgive him. Well, you will hold on to that sin. You will, that is a sin that you will retain. You will not be able to be saved. That's how Jesus could say, if you don't forgive, neither will you be forgiven. So whoever sins you remit, they're remitted unto them. Whoever, whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. So going back to that scripture in Acts, Acts chapter 8. I just wanted to share that real quick because we're talking about it. Remission. He was headed for damnation. We can see that. So we are warned, and I said this last week, believing is not enough because he believed. 
Simon believed. Being baptized is not enough because Simon was baptized in the name of Jesus. Reformation is not enough. You might be able to fool men, but you can't fool God. And reformation is not the same as repentance. And a lot of people do reformation, and they call it repentance. It's not the same. We'll talk about that, I think, a little bit here coming up. Trying to buy God's gifts is deadly. You can be baptized without having repented, but you will not receive remission. He had not repented. He had been baptized without repentance. He was even told to repent. You'll not receive the Holy Ghost without asking or desiring it for yourself. He asked for the power to be able to lay hands on people so they would receive the Holy Ghost, but he didn't desire it for himself. You'll not receive the saving power of the Holy Ghost baptism without repentance and remission. That's what we see in Acts 2.38, right? He started out with repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So you're not going to receive the saving power. A lot of people have received the Holy Ghost, but it didn't do them much good at all. I've been at services, and I've heard people say, well, you see the Holy Ghost, and I expect you to act differently. Well, that's if they apply the principle that goes with receiving the Holy Ghost to their life. Because there's a lot of people that they receive the Holy Ghost, and they're so excited because if you're out in the rain and, you know, you don't have an umbrella, you're going to get wet. And he said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And so if you're just out there, anyone can receive it. And so then they go out and they, they commit their sin. But there's a principle that has to be applied in receiving the Holy Ghost that a lot of people aren't applying to their lives. So it goes on. Oh, let me finish here. You may realize the truth of the Godhead, but not have Jesus as your God. And so even though you, you know, the devils also believe and tremble, but they're not saved, right? So you might even realize the truth of the Godhead, but not doing you much good. I'm going to skip a bunch of stuff here. I'm going to skip a bunch of stuff because I think it would be really repetitive if I said a lot of that stuff. So I'm going to skip some of the stuff that I feel like would be a little bit too repetitive. Is that all right? And um, I want to get back to where we were. We were talking about examples of the eight steps in the book of Acts, but we might not get there tonight. I want to just get sidetracked just a little bit. And it's in the lesson, so not really sidetracking too much. So, Isaiah 43, 10 through 13. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord. Whose witnesses are we? And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Charity, whose witnesses are we? And who's speaking? 
That's right. There we go. Yeah, there we go. And I was sitting in a Jehovah's Witness Bible study, and they tried to show me this verse, and then I t showed them Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And I showed them John 14, verse 6, where he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You can't get to the Father except through Jesus Christ. And I said, so really, we should be Jesus witnesses. Since he's the revealer of the Father, he's the one, if you've seen me, he said, you have seen the Father. So we are his witnesses. We go around and we tell everybody about what? Him. That's it. That's, our, that's what we're supposed to do, to encourage people to know the Lord. So you are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. Now I want you to pay attention if you have your Bible in front of you. Anytime you see the word that, in Bible quizzing, we could make that a question word. We could put a why there. We can put a why. And so I'm going to ask this question. Why did he choose us? If you look in what we just read, why did he choose us? That ye may know. Do you see that? 4310. Whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Why did he choose you? That you may know and believe him and understand that he is the I am. That's why he chose you. Do you see it? Why did he choose me? V, why did he choose you? So you could know and believe him and understand that he is the I am. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I even I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. So we are to know, believe, what about him? He chose us so we could know, believe, and understand. I just wanted to point this out. You guys can answer. You know, you guys, feel free to just blurt it out. You feel like you have the answer. I know sometimes you, like, think you have the answer, and you're like, if I say this, I might be wrong, so I better not say it. It's okay. No, believe. What about him? That's good. I like that. So, and we could take that from the Old Testament. There's, a, you know, we've talked a lot about that, how all this works. But um, now I just want to talk. I'm skipping some notes because some of this stuff you've heard, but some of it you haven't heard. And I'm just trying to zero in on some of the stuff you have not heard. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Who knows what that says? If you know what it says, or, it, or if you don't, if you want to read it, you can read it. 16, 18. Go ahead, Brother Michael. 
he said, thou, so what, what was he building his church upon? This rock. What is this rock he's referring to? Not Peter. What, what it, but he's building his church upon the rock. What's the rock? What is it? Because you remember he was asking the question. He was saying, who do men say that I am? And they said some things. And then he said, but whom say ye that I am? He said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, this rock, right, that revelation of who he is, of Jesus Christ, that's where the church is built, on that rock. And he builds the church. So, but you have to take heed how you build upon that rock. Because there is a foundation. The foundation's already been laid. There's one foundation. Uh, the Old Testament prophet said, said, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone. Now listen, God is saying, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone. This is the foundation. A tried stone. So this stone is tried. It's been proven. A precious cornerstone. A sure foundation. Right? So that stone, that foundation, the church is built upon. 1 Corinthians 3, uh, starting at verse 10. Did I tell you guys that already? 1 Corinthians 3, 10. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder. And we were sitting at Brother Josh Smith's house. I've shared this story before, but maybe not everyone's heard it. Brother Readout was sitting on the couch. He was one of the times he was in California, and a bunch of us were sitting around, and some in chairs. I was sitting on the carpet, and, you know, just a bunch of us there. And he said, how many wants to be a builder of the kingdom? And, uh, <laughs> oh, and I knew, I already knew where Brother Readout was going with it, so I said nothing. I just let everyone else. <laughs> so I just sat there and and uh, this one brother, missionary to Malta, Brother Parker, he's like, oh, yes, Brother Redout, I want to be a builder. And Brother Redout said, not me. He goes, okay, then not me either. <laughs> he goes, how many want to be master builders in the kingdom? He goes, oh, yes, I want to be a master builder in the kingdom. He said, not me. Brother Parker goes, not me either then. <laughs> he said, how many want to be a wise master builder? So this is what Paul's saying, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. So Paul says, I'm laying the foundation. My objective is not to go over there and get people repenting, getting people Holy Ghost crusades. I'm laying the foundation. And what's the foundation? It's the revelation, right? I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. You get this foundation established. That's what I'm doing. That's what Paul said. I, as a wise master builder, I lay the foundation. 
somebody else comes along and they can, they can build on that foundation. And so, let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Be careful how you build on that foundation. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That is the foundation. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. So take heed how you build. There is no other foundation than Jesus Christ. And you must build upon this foundation, and only what is built upon will abide. In Matthew chapter 7, you guys have heard the story, starting at verse 24. Matthew 7, starting at verse 24. It says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. You guys remember the story? And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. He built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, that, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So let's look at this foundation. If we do not build on the foundation of Jesus Christ, the foundation of who he is, we can build a Christian life. And some people are saying, what's the first step of our salvation? Repentance, right? No, wrong. It's the foundation. Get the foundation first. Before you get to repentance, you've got to lay the foundation. And you build, re repentance is built upon that. And so a lot of people are coming and they're re doing what they think is repentance. But it's not built on the foundation. It's on the sand. And then they're baptized in the Jesus' name, and they're building their Christian life on the sand. And then they receive the Holy Ghost, and they're living their Christian life, but it's built on the sand because they have no idea who Jesus is. They haven't developed a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. They haven't allowed that foundation to be established firmly in their life. And so when trials come, and they do come, when tribulation comes, and it will come. We're promised from God's word we're going to get it. Isn't it exciting how many look forward to trials and tribulations? We're guaranteed we're going to have it. And when it does come, those who are built on the rock, it seems like their houses stay. Just like what Sister Savannah sang about, right? He's faithful. You know? All these other things I've learned, just it, you know, didn't seem like, you know, he was hearing what I had to say. It didn't seem like things were, but guess what? He's still faithful. He's still God. 
And he's the only one who's really full of faith. That full, like as full as you can get, right? There's no room left. We can increase in our faith. We could. You know, some, sometimes we'll be like the ones when Jesus said, O ye of little faith. And then uh, sometimes we might be like when Jesus said, I've never seen anyone in Israel that had this great faith, so great a faith. So we've got to grow in our faith, increase our faith. And so, but he's full of faith. So God is not the author of confusion. God is the builder of the church. We read in Matthew 16, 18. I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock will I build my church. He's the one who builds the church, and he builds it on the rock. He builds it on the rock. So when people, that, that's why it's such a main focus. We try to get people established. We try to get the foundation in their life. Forget all this other stuff. Get to know who Jesus is. Because in that knowledge pertains, is everything that pertains to life and godliness. Is in the knowledge of who he is. It all makes sense. Jesus' name, baptism, makes sense now that I know who he is. And we're buried with Christ in baptism, Romans 6 and all that. So it's extremely important. So the, the wise man, the foolish man, they both build houses. And both their houses looked good. Both houses stood while the sun shined. But one house stood in the judgment. Just one. And that's the house that was built on the rock. Why did the other house fall? It wasn't built on the foundation. And I shared this, I think it was last week. I watched a, a YouTube video a while back, and this guy was, he was saying he was arguing with apostolics, UPC people, and he was just saying, you know, you know, they're saying the Jesus' name, baptism. You don't need to be baptized in Jesus' name. So he goes, you know what I did? I just, just to shut him up, I went and got baptized in Jesus' name. I go, that wouldn't shut me up. <laughs> it wouldn't shut me up at all. Because you being baptized in Jesus' name on the wrong foundation is going to do you no good in the long run. Zero good. Right? So, anyways, build upon the rock. The first step is that revelation. Step two is recognition. Recognition is awareness of the glory, the holiness, and blessings of Jesus Christ. And in contrast and comparison, your own state of grossness and sin, which makes you desire him as the source of life. And that's what happened in Acts 2.37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. We got to get to that place after we hear a message about Jesus Christ. And that's what Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. And he concluded his message in verse 36. He gave the conclusion, he gave, and then there was the altar call. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God, the first essential, know this assuredly, that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. End of message. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. So he was laying the foundation. And we see this throughout the book of Acts, right? Step three, 
that determination to discover the fullness of God's requirements toward you in his plan of salvation through sincere Bible study and prayer. It's that determination. And it's what happened in Acts 2.37 when they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? It's what Paul on the road to Damascus, went. I don't know what I was going to say, road to Damascus, he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? When you get to that place, that determination, you want to discover the fullness of his requirements toward you in his plan of salvation. Then we get to repentance. So we're building upon the foundation, a proper response to that. And, the, you know, that recognition and then a response and then repentance. Now, I want you to listen to this definition of repentance. You probably never heard this before. It's going to be brand new. You've probably never heard this before. The complete dedication to change the motivations that dictate your actions and goals, hence fruit. Beginning to follow Christ for others to benefit. This is repentance. One more time. The complete dedication to change the motivations. Remember I told you that true repentance gets down to motive your motivations. So the complete dedication to change the motives that dictate your actions and goals, hence fruit. So remember I told you MGAF, proper motives produce proper goals, which produce proper actions, which produce proper fruit. So Having that dedication and determination to change the motivations that dictate your actions and goals. Have you had some actions that weren't godly recently, lately? Then you might want to either, it's going to be a failure in revelation or in repentance. It's going to be a failure in one of those two. And a lot of times what people need to do is they, see, they, they need to get down to their very motive. The fifth one, let me go through these real quick, remission. It's the removal of the effects of prior sins that is given by grace through baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the answer of a good conscience toward God. And then the next one is receiving. It's the infilling and indwelling in your body of the Holy Spirit accompanied by speaking with an unlearned language. This is your empowering. You shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you. And then step seven is remaining, living a godly life of holiness in all ways, including standards, with the directive and corrective input of the Holy Ghost, living the Christ life. Sometimes we try to put the cart before the horse and we're trying to tell people about standards. and That's way down at step seven. We need to tell them about the foundation. We need to tell them about Jesus. Because if they're not going to start there, it doesn't even matter if they have all the rest of the stuff. And then the last one is reproducing. Being a soul winner through merely living according to the calling you've received. Bringing others to salvation and maturity by your sacrifices. That is reproduction. Do you see it, Brother Michael? Do you see that in reproduction, you got to make some sacrifices? 
When you had children, sometimes it meant staying up late at night. Sometimes, you know, you had to change diapers, some sacrifices you had to make. Sometimes instead of going out with the friends late at night, you're home. It's sacrifice. Reproduction, it, it does take some sacrifice. And sometimes dealing with babies and brand new people in the church, they get spiritual dirty diapers. And you got to do some spiritual burping and, and uh, loving on them a little bit. They're crying and screaming in the, in the crib. You know, sometimes, you know, you just got to hold them. Sometimes you just got to love them. One time dad burped you. <laughs> and you remember this? So this was recent? <laughs> or you have a really good memory when you were little? Oh, it wasn't when you were little. <laughs> oh, that, that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Out of the mouth of babes. All right. So um, I just wanted to get through that little section. I didn't read everything, but I wanted to read some of the stuff that you guys probably hadn't heard before. And does that help a little bit? Does it help you understand the process that God has set in order and he never deviates from his process? It's everywhere throughout the New Testament. Amen. It's really helped me. It's really helped me to understand that. Start with that foundation. And that's where I'm trying to always get people. And I notice that when people get that, it makes a difference. It really does make a difference. So, amen. I'm going to have Brother Sharon pray in closing today.